Praise the Lord. Well, as I was considering our family service uh, and what to speak on, uh, I remembered that we had begun a series all the way back in 2019 looking at the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are descriptions of the citizens of heaven. The kind of people who are going to be found in the house of the Lord forever are described in the Beatitudes. Uh, so I'd like us to head back into this rich scripture and just explore the next of these Beatitudes. It's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Back in 2019, can you remember 2019? It was, it was all the way back before uh, Eleanor got sick, uh, before COVID uh, struck the world. I wonder if you can remember these Beatitudes. Well, in case you are struggling to remember, Pastor Ben, what are the Beatitudes? Let's just remind ourselves, let's refresh our memory of the first few Beatitudes in chapter 5, beginning uh, at verse 3. Let's, let's begin at the beginning of chapter 5, okay? because it helps to explain what Christ is doing. Matthew 5, beginning at verse 1. Now when he saw the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Okay, so Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's teaching them about the kingdom. Okay, and then he hits them with the Beatitudes. We're concerned with verse 7. That's uh, the fifth of the Beatitudes. Okay, but we're going to just briefly re recap the first four. So verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How are you this morning? Are you poor in spirit? Are you feeling the, the, the pain of the world? Are you feeling the pain of your brokenness and sinfulness? Well, if so, then, then you're the kind of person that Jesus is talking about here. You see, Jesus came for sinners and for the brokenhearted. He came to pick us up, came to save us came to lift us up that we might know the fullness of joy in his presence. So let Jesus minister to you. Matthew 5 and verse 4, the next one. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. How much comfort have Harry, Rebecca and I known in the last couple of years through, through Christ's ministry? through the ministry of this church, through you, your compassion and kindness. See, friends, Jesus came for those who mourn for the dead, but Jesus also came uh, for those who mourn for their sin, those who repent and trust in Jesus. After all, we're told in Scripture that, that death results from sin, but those who have put their trust in Jesus no longer mourn like the world mourns. 
when we see the, the turmoil and misery and lack of mercy in the world, we only need look to Christ to find the solution, God's solution for us, for our families, for our nation and for the world. Verse 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, or the humble, we can read, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, the humble, they will inherit the earth. Is that what the world tells us? The world tells us whoever's the toughest, whoever's the most aggressive, whoever's the most ambitious, you will inherit the world. You'll inherit the earth. You'll get rich. You'll be satisfied. That's not what God tells us. That's not what Christ tells us. Friends, the Lord alone is the one who possesses all things. But the grace of God is that he will share those things with his children. With those who demonstrate his character, his attributes, those who give him all praise and glory. Is that you? Are you living for him? If so, you're the meek, you're the humble. We are in the process of inheriting the earth as Christ irresistibly expands his kingdom and completes his plan of salvation. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Friends, we may be hungry, physically hungry. Many of our brothers and sisters are physically hungry in the Ukraine right now. They're thirsty because their water's been cut off. The supermarket shelves are empty. But we're told if they hunger and thirst for righteousness, friends, they're already filled. If you hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God, then you will be filled, whatever your circumstances. Because Jesus is our righteousness. We really will be filled if he is our righteousness. So do you hunger and thirst for righteousness this morning? Do you know that you cannot find it within yourself? You must look to another. Praise God. Praise God for this wondrous teaching from Christ himself to us. So today we're going to look at the next one. Uh, Beatitude number 5 in verse 7. Let's consider as we read it who we are to be in Christ. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. As we explore and unpack this one today, I want to look at two things, really, which is essential for us to be merciful. So when you first read this, it kind of reads like this is a self-help guide 
Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy, right? As long as we're merciful, we'll be shown mercy, right? That's how it reads at first glance, right? But is that the fullness of the truth of God's revelation? Because I want to suggest to you this morning that unless we know real mercy, God's mercy in Christ, then we won't be merciful. We won't be full of mercy. So how is it, Pastor Ben, that we receive mercy? This is why Jesus came. Jesus came that we might see God's mercy, that we might receive God's mercy. And in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, where we find these Beatitudes Jesus gives one of the most foundational speeches ever recorded in history. We've been hearing all kinds of speeches over the last few days, haven't we? The last couple of weeks, as the situation in Ukraine has unfolded, we've heard various heads of state with their speeches. We've heard a lot from President Zelensky. And he's a great statesman for our day, by the grace of God. But he pales into insignificance next to Christ and his life-giving speech, which quite literally blew people's minds. Much of the rest of the Sermon on the Mount challenges the very understanding that the Jews had of God's law. You see, the preachers and teachers of, of Israel They'd missold the gospel. They'd misrepresented God to the people. And so their understanding of God's law and their religious obligations had been confused. You see, the law of God doesn't simply concern outward appearances or behavior. But God is also concerned about our thoughts and our speech who we are, the attitudes of our hearts, dear friends. That's why these are called the Beatitudes. Because he wants our attitude to be changed and shaped by the character of Christ. God is concerned about the whole of us. There's no hiding these things from God. Jesus shows us in his opening up of the law, he shows us that the problem of sin in humankind is much deeper within us. Friends, we need a change of heart. So what are we to make of Matthew 5 verse 7? How are we to be merciful in order to receive mercy? Is this how we're to be saved? By being merciful? I wonder, I know there's some people here today who, who will have played this game before. Who's ever played the game of mercy in the school ground, in the playground? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Mercy. Where you, where you, you go and you, you put your hands on someone else's hands and you link your hands together. And you wrestle, right? You wrestle. 
and then and then whoever's the stronger person, they, they overcome the weaker person. And that weaker person has to say, Mercy, mercy. Anyone no one played mercy here. Yeah, there's a there's a guy here, brother. You've played mercy, right? Anyone else played mercy? You might look at me and say, Pastor Ben, you're a big, strong chap. So I can see why you might want to play mercy, right? Because you probably won most of the bouts. <laughs> you know, if, if, if I asked Joel to come up here, right, and play a game of mercy with me, would that be fair? Who's going to win? Pastor Ben. Every time. Quite easily. In fact, Francis and Precious might have reason to, to prosecute me if I went too far. If a big person plays against a, a small person or a strong person plays against a weak person, it's completely unfair. The marvellous thing, dear friends, about the gospel is that our God, who is almighty, and irresistible shows mercy to the weaker person. He could flatten us, friends. He could just wipe us straight out. But his heart is to show mercy to those whom he will show mercy, as Paul says in verse 9. The question is, who's he going to show mercy to? Has he shown mercy to you? Has he shown his grace to you? Because it's on offer. It's on offer this morning. It's coming up to Easter time in a few weeks. April the 17th, it will be Easter. And in the week before Easter, what happened? Jesus came to Jerusalem. Jesus came to his people on that final journey towards Jerusalem to the destiny that he knew lay before him. Jesus wasn't tricked or trapped. Jesus knew full well why he was going to Jerusalem. He knew full well what was going to happen to him there. But he also knew that he was the instrument of God's mercy and that God would show his mercy to weak people such as ourselves. That God wasn't just going to steamroller us. He's going to show mercy to those whom, to whom he will have mercy. And so when Jesus came into Jerusalem on the donkey and they laid palm branches out before him and they laid their cloaks down on the, on the road into Jerusalem, what did the people cry? Someone remember? Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna. Do you know what Hosanna means? Have mercy. Save us. Save us, Lord. Have mercy. Some of the people crying out Hosanna, they knew that they needed God's grace. They had received God's grace. They knew that he was a loving God. Others thought that, that mercy would come through a great king like David who would kick the Romans out, who would deliver them from the evil regime ruling over them. 
failing to realize that just another evil regime would replace it, that something more substantial had to be done. The very same word that's used in Matthew 5, verse 7, for merciful, okay? That very same word is used only once again in the New Testament. In the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 2 and verse 17. Why don't we turn to Hebrews chapter 2. If you've got your Bible, children, youth, whether it's a paper Bible or whether it's on your phone, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, we're going to read through to verse 18. Let's understand what it means to be merciful and how it is we can be saved. Jesus is talking about the children that God has given him. Well, sorry, the, the writer is talking about the children that God has given Christ. Verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Friends, this is what it means when we talk of mercy from a scriptural point of view. In Paul's letter to the church at Rome, we're told that the wages of sin is death. In Genesis, God told Adam and Eve that if they sinned by disobeying him, that they would surely die. So friends, that is the penalty for us when we sin. Death is the penalty. But in Hebrews, and repeatedly through the good news of Jesus, we're told that Jesus came to destroy the devil who holds the power of death, freeing those who were held in slavery to sin. That's why all the prophecies, so many of the prophecies about Jesus, talk about joy coming, talk about celebrations, talk about people jumping like, like deers, because they've been set free from sin to walk in newness of life. And so in Hebrews, we're told that Jesus became a merciful and faithful high priest. Just a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, we, we looked at the offices of Christ, didn't we? We saw how Christ is our priest, prophet, priest and king, right? This is what it means. He became our merciful and faithful high priest. In entering this world, in becoming one of us 
and knowing our weaknesses, experiencing temptation, yet himself without sinning, Jesus becomes God's mercy for us. The NIV uses the word atonement there in uh, in, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 2 and verse 17. He becomes our atonement, or he makes atonement for us. In the ESV, it says Jesus made propitiation for the sins of the people. And Pastor Ben, those are two big words, atonement and propitiation. What do they mean? Well, dear friends, it means that when Jesus was nailed to the cross on Good Friday, Jesus becomes the mercy of God. In him alone can the mercy of Almighty God be accessed. In him alone is hope for sinners, people like you and me. In our own strength, we can never be merciful enough to receive God's mercy. He's unstoppable. He's a juggernaut. He'll just go straight over us. But for Christ, but for Jesus, who is God's mercy. Friends, at the cross, Jesus takes the punishment that we deserve. And instead, we receive what we don't deserve. The mercy of God. I wonder this morning, have you received that mercy? Do you know that mercy? Well, if you have received that mercy, God's mercy, his forgiveness for your sin through Christ, then there is a right response. And that's to become merciful like him. So we're to respond by becoming merciful. Friends, if we're in receipt of mercy, then we're to respond by becoming merciful. If we're being changed by God, then we'll see the difference that he makes. And one big way is by us becoming merciful people. As I said already, the teaching of Jesus gives us, in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, how God sees the law. And this is something which only a new heart can see. Something which only a new heart can understand. The heart of a born-again believer can understand and begin to live out this sacrificial life that Jesus calls us to. A life like his own. Again and again in his sermon, Jesus says, You have heard it was said. But I tell you, Jesus is introducing his people to the heart of someone who is a born-again follower of his. So what does it look like for us to be merciful? You know, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, once asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Well, let's be honest. Seven times is more than some of us would give. Right? 
Seven times is, is more than the tabloid press would give. Right? What does Jesus say? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. Verse 21. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Peter clearly thought that was a good number. Clearly thought he was doing well. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, that's a lot of money, friends, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Friends, that's slavery that we're just reading about there. To settle the debt, you and your family are slaves from now on. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. Mercy, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Friends, Jesus cancels our debt because he's paid in full at the cross. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's a much less amount. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went to tell their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. These are the words of Jesus, friends. We ought to pay attention. So how many times are we to forgive our brother when they sin against us? 70 times 7. Which is shorthand for limitless times, dear friend. So Jesus teaches us to forgive as many times as we need to. As many times as people sin against us and hurt us, we are to show them mercy and forgive them. When was the last time that you demanded justice from your brother or sister? When was the last time you shook your head in disgust when someone was shown mercy because they deserved justice? Friends, let us, like Jesus, have compassion on other sinners. 
since he has had great mercy and compassion on us. Even going to the cross to die for our sins and to pay the price in full for our redemption. This will test us. This will not be easy, but it will glorify God. It will be attractive to those in the world who are watching us. And we may find that as we set others free, we know even greater measures of freedom for ourselves. Shall we pray?